Welcome to Sportsbeat KC presented by Big O Tires. It's Wednesday, November 27th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. On Tuesday, and weeks, even months after the news was expected, the Missouri Tigers got word that their appeal of NCAA sanctions was denied by the national governing body. In the short term, it means a bowl ban this season for the Tigers. Even if they win at Arkansas on Friday and qualify for the postseason, Mizzou will not be eligible. And this will cost the athletic program an estimated eight to nine million dollars in revenue from the SEC. Star columnist Vahe Gregorian and I spent time on this topic and even longer on the fate of head coach Barry Odom. It's been a shaky few weeks for Odom to say the least as Mizzou lugs a five game losing streak into Friday's game and the future of Odom in his fourth season is up in the air. Vahe and I reached different conclusions about Odom's fate. Vahe Gregorian is here. Vahe, I'm going to read from Suichi Tarada's lead that uh, that he wrote on Tuesday that'll appear in the Wednesday Kansas City Star, part of the lead. After a months-long process, the NCAA denied Missouri's appeal Tuesday. While the athletic department faces multiple sanctions, Jim Sterk pointed to Missouri student-athletes who would be most affected. The Missouri football and baseball and softball teams will be banned from their next postseason, and then Jim Sterk is quoted. So that's the news that Missouri received on Tuesday. Their appeal uh, of, uh, of sanctions was not, uh, was, was not granted by the NCAA. I suppose my feelings about this changed and evolved in, you know, maybe almost like in a tennis game. It kind of went back and forth. You know, I thought it, at times I thought Missouri had a great case, and other times just having covered the NCAA for so long, Vahe, as you have, that, you know, I just didn't think it would happen. And we found out today, Tuesday, that it did not happen. What's your take on this? Well, there were some extraordinary things, aspects to this in a way. I, I'll, I'll just go first to the news conference. Um, you know, we've been around Jim Sterk a little bit for a few years now. And generally, my read on him is pretty affable guy and, and good natured. And I would say he displayed flashes of fury. And then there was a moment where he choked up and there were absolutely tears in his eyes. And, and the topic at that point was, I guess, the roughly 180 student athletes who, just because the NCAA is the NCAA, who, these kids who have nothing to do with anything that happened are gonna not get postseason opportunity in their, in their senior years, right? So uh, there's a human cost, there's obviously a financial cost, there's a, a little bit of a stigma cost all this adds up to something that I think is, is true nationally. I, I do think, you know this probably better than I do, Blair, but I do think there's, there's an erosion happening in faith in the NCAA now in ways that it's different than, it, than it's been. And it's not just a school unhappy with this or, or you know, one, one place that feels it's mistreated. It's also, it's really a, 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 something a lot bigger than that, right? We're facing name and likeness matters and, and, you know, all these things at once. And I don't know what the next step is, but I think Missouri's involved with whatever the next step is. Interesting. Um, I saw John Sunvold quoted. I believe it was John, uh, a former basketball star, wonderful analyst, and now member of... Chairman. Chairman of the Board of Curators at the University of, of Missouri. And his sentiment was, I think, one that will, will uh, resonate throughout uh, the, the Tiger Nation. And it made sense to me, too, 
basically it comes down to Missouri being penalized for cooperating. Absolutely. And that, that was, it's funny uh, you say that. I was um, in between assignments today and thinking about what I wanted to say about this. And I thought, well, first I'm going to say that um, the message is you're, you're better off obfuscating than cooperating, um, which we've seen that model and yes. we've seen it succeed. Um, and then I saw John Sunvold say it way better than I was going to say it, so I quoted him. Um, but, I, but I think that's part of the takeaway here. And, and the NCAA has done nothing to help us understand that in a different way. It didn't even speak, in, speak to the fact that it took 19 weeks instead of eight. It doesn't feel the need to do that. Um, doesn't really explain. If you can look at that letter, and I think the word I used was gobbledygook. I mean, the point of looking at all the arcane language the NCA uses is that they may be they may have a technical point here on why this went this way from Missouri as opposed to Mississippi State because of the the, the timing of the rule change and the process. But uh, we were joking around in the office earlier. It's a little bit like, well, really, it, 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 can you not just make fairness? always part of the process and maybe I maybe my lenses on this are, are are too close to one aspect of it I just can't get past the idea that um, Ms. Kumar one rogue tutor to term everybody's been using now it's right it's like might as well be part of her name I've, I've accepted it yeah I've accepted it and I, I, I feel like vindictive rogue tutor is probably really the way to put it um, it, it and look, it took 12 students cooperating with her, right? So it's not, you know, in a way, it's not really just one rogue tutor, but it is. I mean, that's at the crux of it. And, and you can't help but think of North Carolina, right? Just this vast scam and how Carolina defended itself on the idea that, not that we didn't do it, but that everybody was allowed to it was, do it. It was, it was available to the entire student body. Yeah. So And, and so North Carolina, which, uh, excuse me for interrupting you, no, no. but North Carolina, which engaged in what I think is the most widespread and longest standing academic scandal in college sports history um, received little or nothing in terms of uh, sanctions from the NCAA. And I think, I think we feel the same way about this. It's something I got into in what I wrote just briefly, but, but I, I, I think to myself, you know, yeah, the NCAA didn't punish North Carolina that way or meaningfully, but that stigma, that's a different kind of stigma. And, and they're gonna have to bear that, you know, True. for many years to come. Just its own thing. You know, on a, on a couple of practical notes here, the the bowl ban is going to cost Missouri eight to nine million dollars because the because Missouri is not eligible for postseason play, they have to forfeit their share of postseason money that comes to the SEC. So bowl revenue. Yeah. From, and that's that is a big, big chunk of money. For, for Missouri to, to lose out on that share. And the other matter, of course, which is more immediate, the Tigers uh, will be favored to become bowl eligible on Friday when they take on Arkansas at Little Rock, but that's no longer uh, out there for, for these players. They will not be able to – a win that will uh, give them six, the, the minimum requirement for bowl eligibility – uh, now uh, means nothing for Missouri. They can get to six and six, and they will not be in a bowl game. And as you said earlier, um, there isn't anybody on this football team or coaching staff really that had anything to do with this. Yeah, and it's interesting. So as we 
we think about that aspect of it, where the, the, the bowl game being off the table, it's interesting just to isolate that into what, what that's going to mean for this last football game for Missouri. Uh, you could see human nature having a couple different possible impacts there, right? It, you could think of it as a real sag after sort of having this on Missouri's shoulders all season and kind of like this is the final letdown and a team that really just isn't up. But you could absolutely see it being um, this is our bowl game and don't let the NCAA defeat you twice or however you want to look at it. I don't really have a read on it, and I think anybody who's been listening to us all along also knows that about the last six weeks we haven't really had a read on what this team is about because um, starting with the idea that there was no way they'd have a letdown at Vanderbilt, <laughs> been basically scrambled, all instrumentation destroyed since then. I, it's very hard to understand what's happened with this team. And thus, to me, very hard to know what to expect Friday, other than I think they're the better team. I think that's right, right? Yeah, uh, so that's, that, that's it. But, I, I, you know, uh, I, we, we don't know what that means. And, you know, we can talk another time about uh, other implications of this game. Well, and we are going to talk about that after we take a break. Um, so I'm here with Vahe Gregorian. We're talking about Missouri, the, um, the news that the Tigers received earlier this week about their, um, the, the, the appeal to the sanctions uh, that uh, was not, uh, they were not uh, granted relief from the NCAA. Um, but I think the, really, the, to be honest with you, as, as big as that news was and as delayed as it was, which, uh, which made it a big story on Tuesday this week, the bigger story really is the fate of Barry Odom head football coach at Missouri. And Vahe and I are going to talk about that after this break. Big O' Tires is rolling out Black Friday deals now through December 8th. Get limited time Black Friday savings on oil changes, brakes, car batteries, and more. Plus, save up to $190 on select Michelin and BF Goodrich tires when you use your Big O' Tires card with no interest financing for 12 full months OAC. Don't miss Black Friday deals happening now through December 8th only at Big O' Tires. For your nearest participating location, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm back with Vahe Gregorian on Sportsbeat KC. We're talking Missouri Tigers and the the future of the Tigers and I guess more immediately the future of, of head coach Barry Odom. Vahe, you've you've covered the last couple of games. You've you've been to uh, you've been to Columbia to to take in the Tigers games against Tennessee and Florida. And uh, you've, you've seen the Tigers a lot this year. I'm sure you're as perplexed 
about this team as as anybody. We certainly, you know, after after six games and they stood five and five and one, we excused the Wyoming loss as a fluke because of the way they played in those five home games. They have not won since then, and some of the some of the defeats, especially the first couple of them, the the Vanderbilt and Kentucky losses were were very difficult to to accept. Missouri was favored in those games by double digits, by the way. Yeah. And then then the schedule got tough, right? Yeah. With the uh, you know with Florida and Georgia, Florida and Tennessee's playing much better, and Tennessee took care of the Tigers last week. So all of that has left the Tigers with a five and six record going into Friday's game against Arkansas, and it has put into play in a major way the the future of of Barry Odom. You know, Vahe, um, I think I think. I always refer to us as kind of guys that have been around a while and veteran dudes. And, you know, we've seen enough coaching changes in our lives to know that that's a, you know, we've seen that not work. You know, the, the coaching change after three or four, in this case, it would be four seasons, just it becomes a revolving door and there are implications for that. It seems you're starting over once again. I, I, can, I can rattle off some programs that are in that mode and it just hasn't worked for him. But where are we with Missouri? Where are we with Barry Odom? And is he going to be the Missouri coach after, after Friday? Well, it's a great question. And I, I think there's some different scenarios here and some things that are hard to just really know. One is beat Arkansas. And I, I, think, I think we can almost certainly feel he'll be back. I, now it sounds funny. What gives you that? What gives um, you that feeling? I think you get. I think it's different than the than a, than feeling like you come out of the season with something that just fell completely off the rails. I think that uh, the people in in charge have many questions they don't understand about where this has gone, but I think that they also want Barry to succeed. I feel like in the conversations I've had with people behind the scenes and. Even with Jim Sterk, some who are decision makers, by the way. Yes, I, I, I think that that the, despite the, what we might call the emotional clamor right now, we we sort of see on social media and hear about a little bit. Um, I don't think there's a a passion for change. Let's put it that way. At in Columbia, it, in the power brokers, um, but I think there's a willingness for change if they feel it's called for, and I think that's a sort of an important distinction. Um, and look, it is a little bit funny to make it sound like, oh, it's up to this game. I mean, that seems silly, right? But when we've been sort of saying for a few weeks now that we better win this one, then right. they don't. Right. It just kind of gets a little weirder and weirder. And so I think this, whoever's, I, my sense is that the Board of Curators is not going to drive a decision that the Board of Curators will respect what Jim Sterk wants to do. That, that's what I feel like I've picked up on, 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 you know, in conversations with people. So that takes us to what does Jim Sterk think? And it's a little hard to know. Jim, uh, one of the th ways Jim is really interesting is he asks a lot of people a lot of questions without saying a lot of things. So I think that's kind of a good trait, uh, probably good, better for him than us. <laughs> right, right, right. But but it does give you a little bit of an insight into maybe what he's thinking or yes. what he what he thinks is uh, what what kind of information he thinks is important. Yeah, how he might phrase some of these yep. questions. And I'll say this again from talking to various people, I think 
I think I'm certain that Jim believes Barry inherited a really bad situation, worse than people understood, A. Um, B, this is year four, but I've heard a term used um, in the, within the athletic department that they sort of look at this as year three because of what he inherited. So that's a little interesting, right, if you think of it that way. On the other hand, I feel like he's really baffled and a bit upset by this streak, and as one would be, especially at a school where you've had declining attendance. Uh, now you're going to lose eight to nine million dollars in bowl revenue. Uh, they got to get people in the seats, and you know one of the re this is going to be for Jim Sterk to identify. And I don't know if I'd be interested to know what you think about this too. I don't have an answer. You know, to some degree. There's a, a certain percentage of fans up in arms, and there's some that you just, oh, it's just kind of quiet. And the question there is, are they just apathetic now? Which and is You which don't I, want that. Uh, no, I've always believed that to be a bigger issue than yeah. ang anger. Apathy is uh, much more dangerous to a program than, than anger, and apathy shows itself by uh, the lack of attendance at football games, as you just alluded to. Yeah. I've always believed that... Um, uh, that, that people, in, in, I, I would never tell a, a fan of any sport how to spend their money and what, you know, whether they should show up if, even if they have the tickets. But I do believe you make a statement by by not showing up, by having tickets and not showing up. I, I totally agree. And I, you know, they had whatever it was. It was under forty thousand the other day. Um, for Thirty-nine oh five two for Tennessee. Last home game. Last home game. Some talk about hunting season. I never know when that's really just a thing. I, I think it's. I do think it's a thing. Um, yeah. But But. Look, if the Tigers were, you know, eight and two going into that game, yeah, I think people would have found a way to keep their Probably. camouflage at home that day. Yeah, and we're not hunters, but I, I, you don't hunt at night that much, do you? Right? It was a night game. <laughs> it was a six, so right, you know, you six, could have still kick. gone. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for anybody out there that uh, would tell us different, but. Um, so. And to your point, almost exact words probably really, but I mean, you, there's, there's different ways to speak to make a statement, and one of them is, you know, anger on social media, and other is, you know, statement by not being there. And so that's, that's what Barry's facing. And I do think there's a little consumer confidence issue in, with, with Barry. Now, this is the sort of thing that decision makers have to filter out the right way, right? I mean, it's one thing to have disgruntled fans and another thing to have them have valid points. And I, I certainly think there's many valid points of criticism of Barry. I mean, the discipline, the, the offense, um, these things, these things really bother you, right? The, I, I, I think we, can still relate to fans uh, despite our distance from it, right, covering things. And I think the things that drive us bats watching a team are the things that drive a fan bats watching a team. And, you know, eight, ten penalties and... and That's and, the one. The penalties yeah. are, are the ones that I think are um, are so frustrating to, to a fan because that speaks to discipline, and that's something a coach, you expect a coach and a coaching staff to control. Yeah. Discipline. Yeah. Don't pen, don't commit penalties. Not yeah. not the dumb penalties. Right. And if you're having if you're averaging eight, nine, ten penalties a game, a percentage of those are, are dumb penalties. You're not, you know, you're not, um, you know, doing the inadvertent face mask. You know. Right. You know, they're eight, nine, ten. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 And so I, I think in the if you're building the case against Barry and the coaching staff, you you would. That that would be on that side of the of your of your legal pad, you know. Yeah. And um, and, and then an offense that just disappeared. Yeah. You know, after the after the five game winning streak, part of that has to be 
the the health of, of Kelly Bryant, the quarterback, but not being able to take advantage of the quarterback who transferred from a program that had played for the nat- that he had helped get to the national championship game and uh, and and won a recruiting battle to land and and brought so much excitement, enthusiasm, and energy to the program when it happened, and to not cash in on that. Injured or not, yeah. Um, and some of this happened when he wasn't injured. Yeah, that's true. At least to our I mean, knowledge, to, yeah, to, to yeah. our knowledge. Well, certainly Wyoming did, right? Yeah, and, and he had yeah. some big numbers that day, but some big mistakes. Right. Um, I think I don't know if this is fair, but I think we've sort of maybe said this in different ways. But I, I guess what I've come to conclude about Kelly Bryan is fine, you know, maybe even pretty good player at his healthiest, but never a game changer in the way people might have thought he was going to be. Now. I tell you what, I was pretty impressed with even Hurt the other day with some of his scrambling ability, and maybe we just never really saw him full full, or I didn't see him in person full full very much. But um, I just never felt like he was he was what I had hoped he would be. And maybe it's harder than we realize for a guy to just you know magically show up that one year and like you know poof I'm here. And and I mean I you know there's a reason we like to see people go through a system for a couple three four years and. Drew Locke's first couple of years weren't, weren't weren't special. We're not. And 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 look, I mean, th- there's a difference, right? I mean, Kelly's older and all this, but different types of quarterbacks. Yeah. Well. So you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. You know, you think you make me think about what's on each side of the legal pad. I think his recruiting would be on the league on the on the plus side of the legal pad. Um, I think you know it's it's hard to remember, but until this five game losing streak, they'd won nine of eleven over two years. Absolutely. And they, they had scored. I mean, they and had scored. Their offense had been terrific. It, now, it, now some of that was Drew Locke, and, right. and some of that was the was Kelly was Kelly Bryant as well. But look, the stat that has really stood out to me is they did not score fewer than thirty-one points in the first six games. Then they went four straight games with a total of twenty-seven points. That is unbelievable to me. And again, we've sort of alluded to this. I mean, it's a, this precipitous sort of drop off that that you feel like later on you're going to figure out something just bizarre happened behind the scenes that we didn't know about. But I, I have no reason to think that. I don't know what that would be, so here we are. What do, what do you I, – I, mean, I, I keep yammering on. What do you think about what, what, what Barry looks like for the future? I, to me, I, I circle back to something we alluded to earlier in, in our conversation, and that is the idea of, of selling the 2020 Missouri Tigers to your fan base – and can you do that, bringing back a coach and a staff that, you know, that, that limped home after, you know, look, the, the, the NCAA issues are, are not the fault of the staff, and that has to be taken into consideration as well. But the losing streak is. And the way people feel about this team, that does count and that does matter. And the... The lack of attendance, uh, the empty seats in, in the stadium matters, and also Missouri has to sell season tickets next year, yeah. and they have to get students excited about football next year. And will Jim Sterk decide that? Um, in will he take that into consideration when he weighs the idea of what's fair to to Barry Odom and what, what what's you know what what should look? The other thing to consider is. They play in the SEC. It is, you know, you're swimming with the sharks yeah. in, in this conference. And I'll tell you what, schools have fired coaches for 
less than Barry Odom. Uh, For sure. I mean, that's, we're and, in that culture now. Yes, right? they, and they there. have fired coaches who have been more successful than Barry Odom in the same amount right. of time. You, that's right. You, um, you, know, you disappoint or you don't rise to a level of expectation. I've never seen that uh, applied you know, in a, in a, in a dis- AD firing coach decision like it, like it is in this conference. Gene Chizik won a national championship at Auburn and was gone a couple of years later. Didn't win enough. Didn't win off enough. You know, someone at Texas A&M, this is a conference that doesn't tolerate yeah. mediocrity for long, but then we get back into the idea of the revolving door. Right. You know, when you make that change in this conference, the change, with that change comes the expectation of getting it done. So I guess my 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 another thought that I have is, can Missouri be seen in the way that Kentucky has been seen with, with Mark Stoops, who was able to build that program to a level of kind of consistent bowl eligibility, n- never really threatening for the division title, but um, I, I think probably satisfying its fan base enough to, to keep him and, and his staff employed. And they certainly have taken care of Missouri, you know. Well, they have. That's one of the pivot points on on both, right? Right. I mean, it's kind of that's kind of an interesting thing. And it, you know, you're making me think of this. Like, what is the realistic ex- expectation for Missouri football? And I think you may have said this out loud before, and I may have said it out loud, and maybe we both think it. But I'll just speak for myself. I think you want to think you, your your baseline is being a seven eight win team with the potential to win a, a, a division championship, right? Every few years. You could make a case this was that year in, in terms of how the schedule played out, what you had coming back. Well, well the schedule it, – it, it, Or how, not how it the, played out, well, how it set ad, up. Yes, the setup. The, yeah. It was as advantageous a schedule it was, as Missouri is ever going to have. It, you know, you have to win every game, right? You still have to play them. But it, it looked like there was, a, there was a reasonable path to 8-0. And, you know, Missouri's handled Florida and Tennessee the last few years. So you, you could see a 10-1. and one. It, it, Arkansas shouldn't be a problem. So – you know, Georgia was maybe the one that you sort of thought all along, well, that's probably it. But, but, but the appearance of this team was that, especially after winning six of the last seven or whatever it was last year. So, again, though, I'm, I think we both got the pendulum swinging back and forth. You know, I think this was that year. Um, but let's remember that Gary Pinkle went into his seventh season before he had double-digit wins. Seven seasons. And also, you know, they inherited different problems, right? Gary inherited basically two decades of, of losing pull-down gravity. That's right. You know, and Barry inherited something different than that, right? It was only a couple years removed from back-to-back SEC division championships. You know, a, a win away from potential playoff stuff. Was there, was there a playoff then? No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, but, well, there, but today it would be. In, in, in the first yeah. year, let's see, 13, 13. There, there was, and 14 it had gone to the college football playoff. BCS okay. the, in 13, college football playoff in 14. But... Um, but no, you're right. You're you're, you're absolutely right. That, so what? But you know. But but then yeah. but then 2015 turned out to be such a yeah public relations disaster for Missouri. Yeah. And he Barry Odom seemed like the right guy at the right time for that. A Missouri guy who could come in and and say the right things and work hard and roll up his sleeves and um, you know and true son all, all of that and. I thought he was on that path, and and was I was willing also to cut him a little slack because of all those issues. But in year four, we're at the end of year four, and I I get the you know maybe maybe we should consider this his third year. Gary Pinkle was in a bowl game in his third year. He had right. the losing record his fourth year, right. and was really on the maybe right. on the edge yeah. of losing his job. 
For what it's worth, Barry's record is still better than Gary's. And I think <laughs> I think if after four years, right? after four years, and I think this maybe it's a few games better. Same conference record, maybe maybe it's the same going into this game. They, they both had twelve wins, conference wins, and Barry could have a thirteenth, as as I recall it. I looked this up a couple weeks ago. Don't remember for sure, but it's it's not an unreasonable baseline of comparison there, right? I mean, in terms of results. So, you know, the funny thing is there's, there's different denominators here, but one of the common denominators of Gary Pinkle's really good teams was continuity at quarterback. Yes. And really good quarterbacks, yes. uh, including like, underappreciated all, James Franklin. Right. Um, That's right. But I was going to yeah. say quarterbacks that played at a, that were all conference caliber. Yeah. And, and, right. And you had three-year starters in these guys, yep. three- and four-year starters. I mean, from Brad Smith to Chase Daniel, Blaine Gabbert, James Franklin. Yeah. I mean, you know, a couple guys you know, spent some time in the NFL here, and and, uh, and we haven't seen that. Depending on how you look at Barry's recruitment of Drew, as, as I recall, that was sort of in the pipeline, but Barry sealed the deal. So it seems like having a long-term solution to quarterback is, is part of this equation, and we don't exactly know what that is right now. And, and we don't know well, – we, we think we have next season's quarterback identified. We just don't know uh, how, that's, how it's all going to yeah. play out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so Tigers at Arkansas Friday, one thirty kick on national TV. A little bit of a uh, you know, if CBS is looking for storylines, they've got a couple of them anyway. Yeah, uh, the, the Razorbacks with their interim coach, they've already fired Chad Morris, and maybe Missouri, um, and maybe a last game for Barry Odom. We certainly know it's the last game of the season for for the Tigers. Okay, so if you're gonna you're gonna stick with Missouri wins, Barry Odom's back and. I think I'm going to lean the other way. That I'm going to, I think I'm going to say uh, Barry will not be the coach on Monday. Um, wow, that's what that's. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I'm right. I, well, obviously we don't know we don't know anything really, but but I just get a sense. I, it just feels that way to me right now. And at least at the very least, um, if Barry Odom's back, he'll have a new coordinator or two. Well, I think that's true, and I think. But look. I would put this, I hate to ride the fence this much, but could I, I said wow before, but could I really be surprised by that? No, I think there's a school of thought that this is already in the works. I don't know what's if it, I'll valid. Tell you what, if it's going to happen, it is in the works right now. Well, that's right. It would be fast. And I'll, this much. This is about all I really know. I don't, I'm not going to feel the need to be calling anybody on Thanksgiving to find out because I think that he's going to have this game one way or another. And you, we've probably talked about this before, but this is a school that fired Al on a Frio on Thanksgiving Day. So I have um, covered coaching firings <laughs> and coaching searches on Thanksgiving. I have ruined Thanksgiving dinner at my household. Oh, and, and I've ruined it at our household and those of others. Um, <laughs> I remember being home when Bob Stull was on his way out at Missouri and calling Bob on Thanksgiving Day to see if he still had his job. And my parents just absolutely furious at me. Not, not so much for you know, messing with the timetable of Thanksgiving dinner, but my, my bad manners. <laughs> well, how about, <laughs> can you top this? How about the time? <laughs> I actually stayed home from the Aloha Bowl one year while covering Kansas, and, and I ended up t- trading bowls with, uh, with another writer, so I was going to go to California to cover Kansas State later. But a young family, I wanted to be home for the, you know, for Christmas, and the Aloha Bowl was on Christmas. Um, Glenn Mason had already announced that he was leaving Kansas, and on um, on and, and so Bob Frederick, the then athletic director, did not travel with Kansas. He was starting to conduct the coaching search 
for KU. And on Christmas Day, I'll never forget Glenn Mason on the uh, pregame interview with Dean Blevins for ABC Cover the Game <laughs> announces that he's returning to Kansas. <laughs> Bob Frederick had no idea that was happening. <laughs> I forgot that. So there oh, we are. Mercy. So uh, it ruined uh, my Christmas and Bob Frederick's as well. So these things do happen on the holidays. They're kind of incidental to the <laughs> to the uh, to to the the world of coaching searches. So anyway, oh, well, Vahe Gregorian, thanks for hanging out, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Blair. You've been listening to Sports Beat KC, the Stars' daily sports podcast presented by Big O Tires. Links to the stories on the Tigers can be found in the show notes, and all of our college sports coverage is available on KansasCity.com. I got to tell you, it takes more work than I'd imagined to produce a podcast, and I got to watch Leah Becerra put together a couple of shows today. I am amazed at her talent. All I can say is thanks, Leah. Hey, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and you'd think Sports Beat KC would take a break on that day. Nuh-uh. We'll have a podcast ready to go. You'll hear from new Royals owner John Sherman at his introductory press conference. But please enjoy Thanksgiving from us at Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City on a daily basis.